0: Let's pray before we read. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to gather again around your word. We thank you that it speaks into our hearts and lives and into our world. With that vision of care of chaplaincy, Lord, we thank you that we can be part of that work. And through your spirit that you would continue to bless as that work continues to lift up your name. Encourage us again in supporting and, and seeing to your grace in that work, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to read from Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8 to say uh, this evening. And there we find the story of Philip and the Ethiopian. Acts chapter 8 beginning at verse 26. So there are things uh, the church is uh, growing in Jerusalem and things are Gospel is going out, and in Acts 8, verse 26, it says, Now the angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, which means Queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah, the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me? So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Astas and traveled about, preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. We'll reflect on that Ministry to the Ethiopian, as Philip brings it. People of God, we are looking at the uh, sense of chaplaincy today in the Christian Reformed Church. So across the denomination, they are reflecting on these things. And in Canada and the U.S., we have about 140 chaplains. So that's, that's a lot. That's wonderful. That whole ministry has developed in the Christian Reformed Church. It's a wonderful history, and it has continued to be a tremendous ministry that we bring as a church. The chaplains we have close by are, first of all, Karen Norris, and she is in the Stollery. And she just began, and so she was ministering, like with John and Angela DeRacht, and uh I think she did drop by, Andrew and Karina too. But she's basically in the stallery uh, with the infants and the families in times of need. And so she enters into that particular area of of struggle, area of concern. She reminds them that Jesus takes the little ones in his arms, able to bring just a a beautiful ministry in a time of, of need. And so that reality is much at work even just in our cl- classes through Karen and, and her work with families and also supporting the staff as they deal with uh, the various struggles of their work. And that's a very important part of chaplaincy too. We also have Rick Van Mannen at the University of Alberta. And that vision grows out of, of our vision as a Reformed church to, to see God's work in education, Christian education. And that begins, as we see here, elementary school, high school, King's University College. But now, what about other universities? Well, that's that's where chaplains come in. And so the gospel is spread in those institutions as well, that witness of God's love. And so Pastor Tom Osterheis had done that work at the University of Alberta for many years. When Barb and I were there, we, we joined him and, and just... His work of, of drawing people together and, and bringing the gospel message to students and staff. And Rick Van Manen keeps that going and does a wonderful job. Right now, based on, on just knowing the vision that, that we as a church have and that work he's been doing, he's been invited to go to Nate. It's almost like the Ethiopian inviting him up into the chariot. The, Nate has, has asked Rick to come. And to set up a chaplaincy program for Nate. It's amazing. And so that sense of God working, God doing great things. So we see that and we celebrate that. In our scripture reading this evening, we see Philip here in Acts chapter 8. When when it talks about Philip here, that's not the apostle. Philip is one of the seven deacons who was chosen in Acts chapter 6 to help care for the Greek-speaking widows in the church. But he is a gifted and able presenter of the gospel. And so, by the Spirit, he is drawn into a chaplain kind of ministry. So you have to sense, too, he's not an apostle like the apostles and the apostle Philip, but, but he's called into ministry and has a very, very vital ministry, which something like chaplaincy. It's not like officially a church ministry. It's, it's outside and he's going around. But so the thought is too. Philip is, is somewhat like the first chaplain. He is sent by the clear calling of God to someone who would be considered a very poor prospect. He is sent to someone you'd say, boy, that person, I don't know. You see it in the sense that this person is an Ethiopian, a, a black man. And there is a sense of race that that sometimes hinders the church and the faith, and so he goes there. There is the sense he is an Ethiopian. Ethiopia is considered the ends of the earth it's it's south of Egypt, it's far away from israel and and really, why should we bother there? And so the sense of of Philip being sent to someone who wouldn't be considered immediately as, as to be drawn in. The sense of a eunuch is, is really uh, crossing an even greater barrier because it says specifically in God's word, Deuteronomy 23 verse 1, that those who are eunuchs, those who have had that, that uh, done to them, they are not allowed in, in God's presence, right? They are not acceptable. But you do have in, in Isaiah the prophet, Isaiah 56, has a, a beautiful response to, to the, the redeeming work of God where it says too, this is what the Lord says to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbath, who choose what pleases me and hold fast to my covenant. To them I will give within my temple and its walls a memorial And a name better than sons and daughters, I will give them an everlasting name that will not be cut off. So the pictures of of God, God's hope, God's plan is to reach far to those who we might think uh, are not reachable. And so that's all in the picture here as Philip goes out. He's also uh, the queen's treasurer, so he is a powerful official. He is concerned about money and power and influence. And you might think not faith. So that's a challenge. And he's also very learned. He's able to read. Not that many could read. He's reading out loud because that's what they did. When they read, they read out loud. And so that's not unusual that he's reading out loud. But, but he's obviously well-educated. And sometimes, in, in terms of, of education, maybe there's, there's less interest in things of faith, if you're thinking, yeah, just academics and reason and stuff. So all of these things tend to, to stand against the, the picture here in Acts 8, that, that the Spirit sends Philip to address this person. And it's, it's somewhat of a, a, a chaplain's vision to, to go and minister in places that you wouldn't right away think, oh, that's, that's obviously a place. So that, that's a uh, context here. But notice the basic message, and it's really the basic message of the gospel, the basic message of a chaplain, Isaiah 53, a clear expression of the Savior coming. The New Testament wasn't written yet, so, so to have this key passage, Jesus, the suffering servant, bearing the sins of the people, suffering voluntarily to save sinners like you and me. And so Philip, Philip just takes that wonderful biblical truth and presents the gospel to this man, that this is speaking about Jesus, the one Son of God, the Savior, and that man hears the gospel and responds. You see as well God supplying water the, if you know anything of the geography of the Holy Land, if you go from Jerusalem, if you go on the desert road south, there is really no water. <laughs> there is just no water. You are in the desert. And so even the fact that water is supplied has the sense of, yeah, the gospel goes out and God provides and God supplies and there is water and they go down and the man receives the message and receives the sign accepting the gospel and is baptized. So this is a wonderful work of ministry, of chaplaincy, of reaching out beyond to those who need to hear and receive the gospel. We hear or we know from history later on that the work of Philip bore tremendous fruit. Historically, in Ethiopia, Christianity began to spread in in the years after uh, the resurrection of Christ in the beginning of the church, and it expanded through witnesses in Ethiopia, so that by the third century the the Ethiopian Empire was officially christian it was christian so so the tremendous benefit of the work that was done. the account in Acts eight points to that kind of work that reaches out beyond generally thinking what we can do to these areas of ministry of need of assistance that are so vital so that's that's the sense of the spirit working in philip to bring this the the gospel to this man and to continue in that sense is the work of chaplains i have a brief uh, video clip about the work of chaplains from our present director, Ron Klimp. Pastor Ron Klimp is the director of chaplaincy, and I just wanted to share that with you at this time.
1: Chaplaincy and Care Ministry recruits, endorses, and supports chaplains and their families. Chaplaincy maintains links between chaplains and the local church through conferences and newsletters and promotes chaplaincy ministry in the church and community. Darren Colwine is the chaplain at the hospital here in Nanaimo, British Columbia. He's also a member of our church, Christ Community Church. We're blessed to be able to have our chaplain worshiping with us on a regular basis with his family so we can support and encourage one another in ministry not only in the church setting but at the hospital where Darren gets to touch so many people's lives, especially people who are nearing the end of their life and make a, an impact in terms of being that loving presence of Christ with them in the time of great need. He's helped us as elders in terms of offering training for hospital visits and how to manage uh, the different emotions and experiences that people are encountering when in these times of suffering and pain and He's also been just a very calm presence in our community in times of, of change. In terms of what Especially his role as a chaplain has enriched our church community as I know that people look forward to his preaching. For instance, the last sermon he preached uh, was from the book of Mark and from the story of uh, Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, and how Pastor Darren talked about how our bodies really do matter to God. Uh, not just because they're part of who we are, but they're part of the new creation that God will usher in. So he really is an extension of our service in the community to reach not only those who know Christ, but to know, to reach those who don't know Christ. And in that way, uh, he broadens our mission as a, as a church community. He equips us in our service of the community, and he challenges us to be in and with the community simply by being who he is uh, in our midst and sharing the stories of how God is at work in the ministry that he is a part of.
0: That was a a good one. That was a different one. (laughs) That wasn't exactly the one that I had in mind. But that gives you a sense of a church supporting a chaplain and doing that kind of work. And they do help us extend beyond what we normally do. And Ron Klimp, you saw his picture at the end there. He is the director at this time. I just wanted to give you some examples of how chaplains do their work. There are, first of all, military chaplains. And thinking of military chaplains who serve abroad. And so in the area of the military, we have uh, a number of chaplains. One I want to share with you, Peter Hoffman, who is with the U.S. Army with the Rangers Special Forces. And he is the first Christian Reformed Church chaplain to complete the official Special Forces U.S. Ranger training. So when you hear about the elite U.S. forces that do things and go into places, and he is their chaplain. Our guy, our CRC guy, is right there. And when he goes, and, and it said, uh, like his, his supervisor, his officers, said to having the official ranger insignia on his uniform as a chaplain makes him a truly trusted member of the force. So he is, he is right in with the guys who are doing that. And ladies, I guess they're, he's right in there. What does he do? He holds services with those people on Sunday. He gets those guys together, those girls together, and he has worship services with them. He continues to lead in Bible studies during the week, and he visits special forces teams when they are deployed, he actually goes to places where they're stationed, often uh, small groups, dangerous areas, to, to encourage and help them in very stressful places. And so that, that work is being done. He, he adds one little uh, connection, very much like the Ethiopian reading Isaiah 53. He shares with us that the motto... Of the elite special forces of the U.S. Army, their official motto is to liberate the oppressed. To liberate the oppressed. And that's exactly what Jesus says his mission is. Jesus in Luke 4 verse 18 says, The Spirit of the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, and to release the oppressed. To liberate the oppressed. So Peter Hoffman can come alongside those special forces, men and women, and say, you need to recognize the work of Jesus Christ. It's the work you are trying to do just physically but spiritually to take that to heart and to have that assurance. And so he brings a powerful witness to Jesus Christ in that place. The second example is a military uh, chaplain who works here at home with the Canadian Forces, Chaplain Gerald Van Smeerdag. He writes that it's his desire to bring faith and hope and love where it is needed most in the struggles faced by the members of the Canadian Forces. He shares that he discovered that the Canadian forces have a great need for chaplains. They don't have many chaplains at all. And so he applied and and was accepted with much thanks. He completed basic officer training, and and there he learned that the Canadian forces puts an impossible demand on its soldiers. It, it just pushes them and pushes them and pushes them with the idea, he never realized that before, but the idea of the military in doing that is to have the, the people rely on each other, that they get worked into a team, and yeah, they can't manage on their own, and so they are pushed and stressed, and demands are put on them, and, and that's to get them to work as a team, but, but it means that they are, they are terribly, yeah, it's tough. It's grueling. It's, it's just demanding all the way around. So he comes in as a chaplain to support. The example he gives is our troops in the far north, in rep- remote regions, that he travels there. It takes many hours to travel in a cargo plane, and, and he, he goes throughout the north. The troops are stationed for a six-month rotation He celebrated Christmas with them, and uh, he says he needed a large enough space to hold a chapel service on Christmas Day, so he closed the bar, and then he he took that over, and instead of beer and pretzels, he had communion with the people there, just to encourage them, just to lift them up as those away from family and, and in difficult times. So he says, as a chaplain, I have the privilege of introducing or reintroducing our Canadian Forces members to the eternal truth that God has placed in all our hearts. So he is doing a tremendous work. Then we have prison chaplains. And from southern BC, Chaplain Harry Smidstra, he tells of a recent prisoner that he's working with. In a cold, clammy cell, this violent offender is sobbing like a small child. He suddenly stops because he remembers his father had drilled into him that boys don't cry. It was all about survival in a cruel world. His dad had spent most of his life in prison and was still incarcerated. And then he shares this. The son was hoping that now that he was in prison too, that his dad would be proud of him. This is what the boy shares with the chaplain. Just committing a crime, a violent crime, to try to win a parent's praise, just so mentally, emotionally, spiritually confused. The chaplains deal with these kind of things, seeking to offer support and direction through God's word. He also uh, organizes, this chaplain organizes uh, M2W2. Have you heard about M2W2? Yeah, man to man, woman to woman, and that people are are brought together to visit. I did it for a number of years when I was in Calgary. It was just just an opportunity to have a normal relationship with someone in prison. And so you come regularly and you just try to speak normally and try to just, just build up a, a basic, healthy relationship. And that's something that they don't even have, really, any support anywhere. So the chaplains seek to do that. Uh, Chaplain uh, Henry Smithstrom mentions that in his work in BC, there are still 210 men waiting to be matched through the M2W2 program. I don't know how it is specifically in Alberta but it's probably up there too. So that kind of work is what is being done. And finally a hospital chaplain. Uh, Dirk Vandervorst from Denver, Colorado tells the story of Dan. Dan was homeless Now I stood at the foot of his hospital bed with only the staff in attendance, two resident doctors, a social worker, three nurses, and two young community caseworkers. Dan had a long mental health history. He had served in Vietnam. He had no family or friends to make medical and death decisions on his behalf. I had been told by the ICU nurse, you better visit Dan. He has no one. And he is dying. So this uh, chaplain, uh, Dirk van der went to visit with Dan. He read scripture with him, prayed with him. And then he sat and listened to the staff as they expressed how sad it all was. The staff's moral distress was palpable on the unit. Dan's death death was imminent, but no one knew really what to do. I worked through all the legalities. So we were able to make a compassionate decision to stop life support and give Dan the peace and rest he long sought after. So that's a vital work. I called the staff together to gather around Dan's bed during his final moments. We paused to respect Dan's life, his service to his country, and we committed him to his God and Savior. After a prayer and scripture, I sang a song, When other helpers fail and comforts flee, help of the helpless, oh, abide with me. The caseworkers and the professional intern were in tears. They had come to love this man. The staff was still as they watched the monitor go to a flat line. Dan could rest in peace. So that's the kind of work that chaplains do on our behalf, on the Lord's behalf, in so many ways. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we all have a calling, and we all need your grace in special and particular ways. But today we pray especially for chaplains, and we thank you for their willingness to be with the vulnerable, the isolated, the institutionalized, the at-risk, and the dying. May you continue to raise up men and women who are willing to leave the confines of the established church to be the church to the unchurched. May your light continue to shine in the dark places of our society through the presence of chaplains, and may those who serve in such capacities receive a rich reward through the response of those to whom they minister, as well as through the crown that you have promised in eternity. In the name of your Son, who also went into the highways and byways of life to find the lost. Amen.